IPC, are you ready for a new sermon series for morning worship? I hope you are. Our new series is called The Father's Ten Good Words, Studies in the Ten Commandments. And like I mentioned in my introduction video, you might feel a little bit like, why are we going from Easter straight into, like, rules? Doesn't that seem a little bit like a letdown? My hope is to show you that, in fact, it's not a letdown at all, but is actually um, a very Easter thing to do. So if you haven't yet, I want to encourage you to read our scripture texts for the day. And then our specific sermon text is really short, so I'm glad to read it for you right now. In Exodus chapter 20, it reads this. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And then from verse 3 all the way to verse 17, we have the list of the Ten Words or the Ten Commandments, but we'll focus on this prologue today. Let me ask you this. What are you looking for? Are you looking in life for simple, clear explanations of things about how the world works, about what your best practices ought to be for your life, for your work, so that things can unfold according to plan? Is that how you're wired? Give me the best practices. Or are you looking for freedom? Are you looking for uh, the ability to be unconstrained by narrow thinking or by traditions? How are you wired? Which are you? Are you a give me simple rules kind of person? Or are you a give me freedom even if it gets a little bit messy kind of person? I think that you're probably one of those two types of people. You know that there's also two types of religious people. Uh, there are some religion, religious people who are religious precisely because religion gives rules. And other people are religious because they perceive that religion gives freedom. You know what? There's also two types of secular people. Some secular people are secular because religion seems to offer nothing but rules. And other people are secular because religion seems to offer nothing but vague spiritual answers when what we need actually is facts and rules. So which are you? You know that you can be religious because you love rules or you can be religious because you hate rules. You can be secular because you love rules or because you hate rules. Because after all, people are weird, right? My question to you is, which type of weird person are you? So, for example, when pastor says it's time to study the Ten Commandments for 11 weeks, what do you think? Do you think, finally, and I love that there's 10, there's just such a, it's not too many, it's not too few, it's just a short, succinct list. I like lists. I like to check things off of lists. I like comprehensive lists. Is that you? Or are you, are you saying to yourself, are you kidding the reason I'm into Christianity is because we've moved on from rules, rigid moral codes, and now we are all about grace instead. So which type are you? All of us tend to feel one way or another about the Ten Commandments, about religion, really about life itself. All of us are going to therefore dislike this sermon series for one reason or another. Which is it going to be for you? You give me rules, people. You're going to be annoyed by 
how relational and how heartfelt the Ten Commandments turn out to be. You, my heart wants freedom type people, you're going to be irritated by the specific and concrete obedience that the Ten Commandments calls us to. There's something annoying here for everyone, I promise. Are you excited? I hope you are. Like I said, our series is called The Father's Ten Good Words. But before the commandments themselves come, come this prologue, this word before the words. So let's ask three questions about this word before the words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, Exodus 20, verse 2. The three questions about the word before the words. Why this word before the words? What's the word before the words? And who's the word before the words? Simple journalistic questions here. Why, what, who? Let's take a look at each of them, shall we? So first, why the word before the words? Why not just give me the list right away? So the other day, I was with my family and a friend, and we were on the ferry from Milan to Horgan and back. And while we were on the ferry, my son noticed that the clouds were making their usual shapes. And he pointed out that one of them looked like a bear or something. I can't remember. And we started playing, of course, the cloud shape game, where you have to name the shape of the clouds. And it immediately made me think of my friend Aaron Bells and his poem, which is called 30 Illegal Moves in the Cloud Shape Game. It's a ridiculous poem, and it's simply a list. And it goes something like this. Potatoes, waves, ghosts, fuzz, crumpled up paper, Alsace-Lorraine, bubbles, and on and on and on. Why do we need these lists? Well, in this case, the title helps. 30 illegal moves in the cloud shape game tells us that at some point in time, there's been some cheating going on in the cloud shape game. You can't just say fuzz, that's cheating. So we need to regulate this so that it can still be fun and competitive for us, right? Well, this list that we're given in Exodus chapter 20, we call the 10 words, the 10 commandments. But before we get to this list, before God speaks all of these words, God speaks this word before the words, and he, and he does this to tell us why this list is here in the first place. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What right does the maker of this list have to make the list? Why should the people that read this list take the list seriously in the first place? Well, in the ancient Near East, treaties or covenants between different rulers and kings, they were designed to answer these questions. And there was, in fact, scholars show us a standard format to them. A greater king initiates a treaty, right? He starts the treaty with a preamble. The preamble, the word before the words, you might say, makes it crystal clear what's going on here, who the greater king is in this relationship, and who the humbler needy servant people are in this relationship. And then, in addition to the preamble, also at the beginning of one of these treaties in the ancient world, the great king adds a historical prologue. So the treaty starts, yes, I'm greater than you, but also it says, 
I've done something for you. And in fact, you're lucky to have a king like me, so great and mighty, who does these mighty things for someone like you. Because if I weren't here to save you like I did, you'd be in really big trouble. One of my mentors says that one of the most important aspects of leadership is role clarification. Role clarification. A leader helps people understand over and over again who is who and who does what. Well, God enters into a relationship with this needy nation, Israel, and he's going to lead them from slavery into freedom, from oppression into prosperity. And so in this word before the words, he does a little bit of role clarification, doesn't he? God reminds the people who he is, and he reminds them of what he has done. Because after all, we're likely to forget. We're likely to forget. That's why we have the word before the words. Don't you forget, God says at the beginning of the Ten Commandments, our relationship. So the second question we asked was, after uh, why the word before the words? We said, well, what is the word before the words? And so what is it then? Well, the word before the words is simply this. I have brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery. Everything God says that I'm about to say, all 10 words that I say to you, they come from a great king who has swept in and who has rescued you. Instead of being erased from the history books, through the tyranny and the oppression of Pharaoh, now you are free and you're free because of what I have done. An ancient king would say, listen, I've brought my best generals, I brought all my best chariots and my soldiers, and I delivered you. And this is what God is saying. He's saying, don't you forget, I brought my army and it was the 10 plagues. I brought my generals and they were Moses and Aaron. My chariots were the wind that blew a pathway through the Red Sea so that you could escape from the coming army of Pharaoh. And my sword, my sword was the waters that crashed down on the Egyptian army as they went to destroy you. Don't forget what I have done. So what's the word before the words? It's essentially, I have saved you and don't forget it. So why the word before the words? Well, so we don't forget who's who and who does what in this relationship. What is the word before the words? I have saved you and freed you from the slavery that you were in. And finally, the third question is, who is the word before the words? In some cultures at some times, and even today, you would begin written correspondence and communication how? You would do so by identifying yourself, right? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the church in such and such city, right? Or I thought of we the people of the United States in order to form a more perfect union, blah, 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 constitution stuff, right? Well, the same with ancient treaties, these covenants, and the same here in the beginning of the Ten Commandments. Who is the word before the words? Well, God says, I am the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out. See, what God has done is absolutely crucial. He has saved them. That's one thing he wants to communicate in this treaty, and he doesn't want us to forget it. 
But that's not the only thing God wants to communicate here. He also is reminding them, not just of what he's done, but of who he is. Who's the word before the words? Well, it's the one true God. And in fact, God uses for himself the revealed personal divine name, Yahweh, Yahweh. God's name is literally in Hebrew, I am who I am. See, God's title is, is God, right? But God's name is I am who I am. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out of Egypt. Who am I? I'm the God who, Exodus 3, heard the cries and the sufferings of people. It's not so much that they were praying to him, but that he heard their groaning and took compassion and concern on them. Who am I? I'm the God who did not wait until you were a great nation to save you. Who am I? I'm the God who did not wait until you had outstanding moral character about you before I came and delivered you. Who am I? Well, I'm the kind of God who adopts a nation like parents adopt a child out of pure love and extravagant grace, not as a response to the child's good behavior. My salvation, God says, comes in this relationship first. Then we'll talk about how we can live together, God and people. My love shown in my saving power comes first. Then we'll clarify how you can show me gratitude and loyalty for all that I've been and all that I've done. First, though, I'm going to prove myself loving, worthy, mighty, and dependable. That's who I am. Friends, if you're a, a secular or a religious person, and you think that this is all sounding too lovey-dovey, too relational, too emotional, well, sorry, uh, you can't get your rules apart from this relationship. God isn't going to let you have his rules without his role. He will be your God and you will be his people. He will be the great king who sweeps down to save you when you can't save yourself and you get to be his servant people. Now, if you're a secular or religious person, on the other hand, um, and treaties and covenants and rules and laws are exactly what you don't want in a religion, well, I'm sorry, you can't get your freedom and your fruitfulness and your prosperity apart from a Lord who overthrows your slave master, who liberates you to thrive, and as you internalize and live by his 10 good words, you thrive within that. But maybe you're thinking, look, Pastor Andy, my problem is not with rules or with relationship. Actually, my problem is that you're doing a whole sermon on one little verse, and it's not even the beginning of the Ten Commandments yet. It's just the preamble. What are you doing? Are we really so bad at remembering who God is and what God has done? Can't you just give us the list? Tell us what to do. Well, Friends, of course you are, and of course I am bad at remembering who God is and what God has done, because we're just like the, the Israelites. Friends, they had barely gotten out of Egypt before they forgot who God was and what God had done. They wanted to go back and live under Pharaoh's uh, harsh slave mastery. 
They thought they could go back and eat pomegranates and melons again. They wanted the good life that they forgot they didn't have in Egypt. They wanted to have the gods as they went around among the other nations, the gods of the nations around them. They wanted bondage, not freedom. They had what psychologists sometimes call Stockholm Syndrome, right? You're captivated by a captor, you're released, and then for some weird reason, you want to go back to your captor once again. Friends, you and I are forgetful people. If we're rule types, we will forget that it is a gracious and mighty, loving Heavenly Father who delivered us from slavery in Egypt and in Jesus from slavery to our sin. We'll take our Father's 10 good words and we'll try to chain ourselves to them and we'll try to make them into bondage and captivity instead of hearing them as the words of liberty that they really are. Or on the other hand, we'll disregard the Father's 10 good words because to us, freedom means being able to be just like the rest of the world, unrestrained morally and from binding relationships. We forget that God so loved the world that he sent his son not to condemn the world, but to save the world. We forget that God came to us in Jesus Christ and rescued us from our bondage, our bondage to sin and death, and hell through Jesus's very fulfillment of these 10 good words from his father. We think salvation is either something we can do apart from the love and power of our God and father shown in Jesus Christ, or we think that salvation is only ours when there is no right or wrong way for us to relate to God or to our neighbor. That's when we can be free to be ourselves. And so God has to remind us, friends, the law of Jesus, he says, is love. It's love. Love God and love your neighbor, which Jesus says, by the way, is a really great summary of the Ten Commandments and the whole Bible. And Jesus Christ is, in fact, God's word before the words. God's demonstration of his character of love and faithfulness. God's action is, once again, Jesus Christ, the word before the words, to save us from our sin and our slavery to it. And so before the Father gives us his ten good words, he gives us the word before the words, the Lord Jesus Christ, our salvation. Church, never skip over the word before the words. Always remember him and through him, who he is, what he's done, then listen to and live by and internalize and grow to love the 10 good words from his father and our father. Because the word before the words is who he is, because love is so amazing, so divine in Jesus Christ. Now we can turn to the 10 good words from our Heavenly Father and say, Father, go ahead and speak now because your children, adopted by your love and saved by your grace, are here listening. You can have our souls, our lives. In fact, you can have everything of us. Church, the Lord Jesus is God's word before the words. And he is the one whose voice we need to hear in God's 10 good words to us. 
Let's embrace him and let's hear him as he speaks God's word to us. And let's pray together. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for calling us children and for speaking gently to us, showing us your heart and your character. And as we turn to these studies, we pray that you would change us, but that you would not change us just by modifying our behavior so that we straighten up. We ask that you would change us from within because you've captured us by your love, by your grace, and by your saving action in our Lord Jesus Christ. Be with us as we study this and speak to us as a father does to his dearly loved children, and then give us uh, all that we need to follow Jesus, your true son, in obeying and loving your commandments. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.